from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Well, while we continue on with our Black History Month uh, episodes, we'll probably have more episodes this week than we will in subsequent weeks in February, just to the limited number of programs that are available. Today we're going to bring you a program called New World uh, a Coming. New World a Coming was the title of a book released in 1943 and written by Roy Otley. Uh, Mr. Otley went on to become one of the first uh, black war correspondents overseas. Not every episode of New World a Coming addressed uh, the war, but several of them did, and those are the ones we will focus on. This is a very early episode of the series. Uh, the title is The Negro, Fascism and Democracy. The original air date was March the 12th of 1944. the sweep and fury of the resurrection. There's a new world a-coming. Today and every Sunday at this hour, WMCA, in cooperation with the Citywide Citizens Committee on Harlem, brings you a series of vivid programs dramatizing the inner meaning of Negro life, based on the prize-winning bestseller, New World A-Coming, by the young Negro author, Roy Otley, starring Canada Lee and the star of Carmen Jones, Miss Muriel Smith. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, may we introduce Canada Lee, who returns today as narrator, Mr. Lee. Thank you. The Negro may not be able to predict his future, but he knows what he wants. Liberty and peace, and an enriched life free of want, oppression, violence, and prescription. In a word, he wants democracy cleansed and refreshed. Faced today with fascism or democracy, the Negro's choice is simple. He's against fascism, both at home and abroad. When right-thinking people appease fascist-minded elements, the Negro's morale is jolted. For he knows well there are those who would rather lose the war, even their own freedom, than see democracy triumph. And Nazi agents attempt to exploit the weakness in our democracy. Adolf Hitler himself set the pattern. Back in the spring of 1932, Hitler entertained a Georgia-born Negro named Milton Wright at a lavish party in the fashionable Europa Hotel. The Negro, who was a student at Heidelberg University, is today a professor at Wilberforce University. Hitler and Mr. Wright were seated off in a corner away from the crowd, talking quietly. You tell me that in America, Negroes are doctors, lawyers, writers, and artists. But I tell you that in your decaying democracy, Negroes don't even vote. 
<laughs> He's a Hitler. That's true in some states, Herr Hitler. But not all of them. Ah, Negroes must be definitely third-class peoples to allow whites to lynch them and beat them, segregate them, without even rising up against them. Even then, Hitler was attempting to divide the American people. For the Nazis know that the problem of color is crucial. But Negroes are not hoodwinked by Hitler's nonsense about races. They know that America stands as the symbol of freedom. But the loss of this symbol will mean the loss of hope for white and black alike. This attitude was recently expressed by Alice Godwin, a Harlem schoolgirl, who was asked by her teacher to write a composition on what the war meant to her. I've been told that this war is a war for liberty, for everybody. This is the reason this war is important to me. It is with great fear that I consider my future under the heels of Hitler. He has said, hasn't he, that I'm only half a human creature. To fight against this, I shall be glad to wear old shoes, not in style. These things are very little compared to the suffering in a world under Hitler. Each little sacrifice I make, I make joyously. It is for a new world without Hitler a Hitler, isn't it? Men, white or black, do not rally to slogans unless they have concrete meanings. Negroes want assurances that the loud talk about democracy includes them. They need assurances desperately. Without them, they will lose faith. So discouraged have some Negroes become that a dangerous don't-care attitude is developing throughout the country. This finds expression in an ominous sort of way in a place like Harlem. One Sunday evening last summer, Harlem's streets seemed more crowded than ever. The people looked hot and irritable. Two men stood before a bar in a Lenox Avenue tavern. They looked through the window at the life outside. There was nothing unusual about this except that, well, somehow the atmosphere seemed tense, expectant. Yes, Stump. That's all right, but I don't see where the government's doing nothing to help the lawyers of us folks. Well, we're beginning to get jobs since the war, ain't we, bigger? Well, if you ask me, I say them white folks is going to be tough long as you stay black. Just last week, I was reading where a Negro army nurse was getting on a bus in Alabama, and a white driver took his fist and beat her. What? Yeah, and just because she wouldn't get up and, and give a seat up to somebody. Southern chivalry, they call it. Now, now I ask you... Is that any way to treat people? Make you feel like you was living with them Nazis? Hello, Daddy. Don't mind my coming over this way. My name's Tom Elkins. I'm Hickenbottom. They call me Stump for short. This is Biggie. 
What you say, man? I ain't nowhere. Just heard what you was laying down, and them's my sentiments. I always say white folks will be white folks. We are the most loyal race in this country. We're always getting kicked around, even as soldiers. <laughs> you sure told that right. Some think this is a white folks' country. That's the reason. Well, it don't sound right to me. Didn't we help build this country? But is you sharing in it after knocking yourself out every day? Tell me that. If you ask me, I says this is a white man's war. Let the white folks kill each other. It ain't our mess. Yeah, but Negroes is getting killed, too. Buying war bonds and working in factories and all that. Yeah, but do it make sense? You're going to fight for the white folks' stuff. Man, you always talk like a traitor. Hey, man, hey, man. What's the matter? Calm down, man. What's man, the Harlem's on fire. Man, folks is out there running amok. Hey, what's breaking, that? Man, they're breaking windows and everything. What? They're just, man, a white cop shot a colored soldier. Yeah? That's what they said. Well, what do you say? Kill the soldier. Did you see it? All oh, I know is what I hear, man. I know this Barbershops, beauty parlors, basements and tenements. Raging crowds swept through the streets, intent upon avenging the killing of a soldier. Before the night was over, thousands of dollars in property were destroyed. Negroes, too, were among those who suffered damage in property. Many were injured. Now, the fact of the incident was that, actually, no soldier had been killed. At first glance, the incident seemed insufficient cause for hundreds of people to riot, as perhaps it was if it stood alone. But the rumor furnished the spark which awakened the Negro's deep-seated sense of wrong, denial and frustration, and even memories of injustices in the Army and in the South. These smoldering resentments against racial discrimination and violence were set ablaze. The grim truth is, Negroes are feeling keenly the insecurity of their status. There were white men, too, who believed that the Negro was entitled to equality. In the years before the Civil War, thousands of white men risked their lives to bring this about. One of these men was William Lloyd Garrison, famous anti-slavery leader. So aggressively did he raise the banners of freedom that he was hunted down like a mad dog. On one occasion, hoodlums roamed the streets of New York looking for Garrison because he'd been advertised as a speaker at an anti-slavery meeting in the Chatham Square Chapel. The mob descended on the hall, but found the place dark. Then its members stormed through the streets, shouting their hatred. As it happened, Garrison was not present at the meeting. He had chosen instead to witness the mob at close hand. For hours, he roamed the streets with them. While doing this, he witnessed a heartening display of courage by an old Negro, which made him reaffirm his famous declaration for the rights and freedom of human beings. Let Garrison tell you about it. That night, I noticed an old Negro who apparently had worked later than usual emerge from a lighted store. 
Adjusting my spectacles, I could see him in the distance as he slowly climbed steps. Uh, good night, sir. Good night, John. I'll close up now. You've put in a long day. Yes, sir. Good night, sir. I'll take that uh, shortcut across the square and I'll be home in no time. As he made his way along the dimly lit street, he stopped suddenly. He must have heard the howling mob. He thought, perhaps. Mm, must be them youngins raising the fuss. He walked on slowly, but as he drew closer, he heard. Are we table to look on? And see this most dangerous doctrine of freedom for Negroes extend itself through our country? Shall we not crush those bold and mad men who talk nonsense about all men are created free and equal? Ah, look over there at old Uncle Tom coming along there. Look! Should he be your equal? Come on over here. Drag him over here. Let's hear what he's got to say. All right, bring him up here. All right, gentlemen. We shall hear from the Negro himself why he should be our equal. All right, now. Speak up, Tom. I am called upon to make a speech. You know that I am a poor, ignorant man. Not used to making speeches. But I have heard of the Declaration of Independence. And I have read the Bible. The Declaration says all men are created equal. And the Bible says God has made us all of one blood. And I think then that we are entitled to good treatment. That it is wrong to hold men in slavery. And let me go. I saw this dreadful incident. They pulled him down and beat the man. From then on, my mind was made up. On the subject of human rights, I could be as harsh as truth, and as uncompromising as justice. I would never think or speak or write with moderation. Never. Tell a man whose house is on fire to give a moderate alarm. Tell him to moderately rescue his wife from attack. Tell the mother to gradually extricate her babe from fire. Do not urge me to use moderation in the cause of human right. We're now engaged in a life and death struggle with ruthless foes. Negroes, as well as colored people elsewhere, must be galvanized into decisive action on the side of democracy. This cannot be done if people do not have the assurance of the better world to come. For Negroes, like all people, want to win the war. But they also want to win the peace. Should the Nazis surrender tomorrow, 
Many Negroes say this might only be a brief interlude of peace. Unless we act without reservation to make democracy a reality. Sumner Wells, former Undersecretary of State, has a word for it. Victory must bring the liberation of all peoples. Discrimination between peoples because of their race, creed, or color must be abolished. Millions of black, brown, and yellow peoples still do not believe that we, the American people, believe in or intend to put in effect a living democracy for all once the danger to white people has passed. This fact accounts for the Negro's aggressive attitude today. Quite recently, a Negro in the South stood before a gas station talking with some white people. Perhaps he bragged a little. Well, uh, <clears throat> I, I done registered, and I expect to be called soon. <clears throat> that Hitler thinks he can whip anybody. I'm going to deliver him right here to the White House. You tell him, boy. You tell him. <laughs> yeah. The white bystanders applauded, for it all had a nice patriotic sound. And there's no doubt that he was passionately patriotic. But the faces of these people visibly changed when he gave voice to his inner hopes. And when I gets back, I'm going to fight for some rights over here. A fairly typical attitude is that displayed by some Negro soldiers. Following a wave of brutal acts by white civilians against Negro soldiers in the South, one of these boys wrote me a letter. Listen to what he had to say. Sometimes I feel very proud of being a member of this big, huge army, fighting for democracy for everybody, until I pick up a paper and see where a Negro soldier's been kicked around, and it makes me feel like, what am I doing here in the army? There's nothing mystical about the aggressive attitude of Negroes. The slogans of democracy have real meaning to them. Negroes feel that the day for just talking is past. They know, too, that Americans can be recharged with progressive vitality. In spite of vocal opposition, Negroes have faith. When they sing, On Solid Rock I Stand, this is no illusion. For the foundation of their hopes stemmed directly from the nation's great promises. Liberty and equality for all. Song is a common language. A lad named Benny Benjamin discovered this in an odd sort of way. You see, for a long time, Ben had been thinking about the war against fascism and, and its meaning to peoples everywhere. He got to talking to two friends about it. Well, boys, looks like I'll be in the Army soon. <laughs> well, me and Sal expect to be going soon, too. Yeah, looks like our songwriting days are over. You know, Eddie, I've been thinking. Seems to me we ought to make one last, write one last song. The three of us. You, Sal, Eddie, and me. Something important. Something, something about the war. Sounds okay to me. How about you, Eddie? No, it's okay with me, but 
Why about war? And people want to escape. You know, they want pretty stuff about the moon, love, and flowers and such. Same old stuff. Uh-uh. People need hope in war. Everybody's got a stake in this fight. Now, I'm a Negro, and I can't help feeling that the Negro in America can't be safe while millions of white men abroad are enslaved by Nazis. People, all kinds of people, need hope as never before. <laughs> you know, you ought to get a soapbox, Bernard. I'm serious, guys. I know we ain't much on this heavy stuff. Most of the stuff we've done has been pretty light. Well, what about the three of us doing something solid before we break into khaki? Uh, love in war? Hope in war. That's the idea. Well, what are we waiting for? Together, these lads found a common medium to express a common hope. After many days of tearing up sheets, black coffee, and long nights, a song was born. It was to become one of the biggest popular hits of the season. They took it over to Muriel Smith. She wasn't famous then as she is today. Now everyone knows her as Carmen Jones. Benny Benjamin was proud when he said to her, Well, Muriel, here it is, the latest. We think it's our best tune. You mean the most important? When the lights go on again, all over the world, by Benny Benjamin, Eddie Seiler, and Saul Marcus. Boys, that's terrific. Things that 
second in a series of programs devoted to the Negro's contribution to American life. Featured in today's broadcast was Mr. Canada Lee, distinguished American actor, and Miss Muriel Smith, star of Carmen Jones. We invite you to be with us again next Sunday at three past three, when New World of Coming will have as its guest Lee Whipper, star of the film The Oxbow Incident. New World of Coming is written by Roy Otley and is based upon Mr. Otley's book by the same name. The program is produced and directed by Mitchell Grayson. John Velasco assisted. Music by John Gart was conducted by Don Bryan. The theme song was composed by Duke Ellington. Members of the cast included Ralph Bell, Clarence Foster, Doris Block, P.J. Sidney, Jimmy Wright, Richard Huey, Fred Carter, Will Gear, Maurice Ellis, Randy Eccles, and Muriel Smith. This was a public service feature of WMCA. Lee James speaking. Welcome back. What a beautiful song to ramp up the episode. I also, what I really appreciate about the show is while they, you know, brought up these very legitimate issues of what was going on in the country at this time, uh, the episode closes with an appeal to purchase war bonds. That will do it for today. 
If you uh, have a comment, email me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. I welcome your story or that of loved ones who served during World War II. Ken Curlin provides our opening theme music, kencurlin.com. I am your host, Adam Graham. This uh, series is provided as a service of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, greatdetectives.net.